Aaron Rodgers apparently left Brian Gutekunst on red. Plus, pass catchers are best found on day two. And the future of the Packers secondary. All of this on an absolutely loaded Locked On Packers. You are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown! You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Oh, baby. Brian Gutekunst did not hold back. On Monday at the owners meetings when given the opportunity to set the record straight about Aaron Rodgers desired departure from Green Bay. Brian Gutekunst said he reached out to Aaron Rodgers many times to get finalization of his plans and to have more conversations. That didn't happen. Here is the interaction that kicked off his news conference on Monday. You know, as we got out of the offseason or after the season and we, we had a good conversation um, and then you know, we're, we're going to have some follow-up conversations and our inability to reach him or for him to respond in any way, I think at that point then we just kind of had to, we had to, I had to do my job and kind of reach out and understanding that a trade could be possible uh, and see who was interested but that shopping was never really part of that. There's not a lot so of... So when you gave him that contract extension, you said publicly your mm-hmm. intention was for him to not just play last season, to play beyond right. that. At what point did it shift to, okay, we need to move on? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously it was a disappointing season, right? And you come out of the season, you have a lot of conversations, not only with Aaron, but with uh, the rest of the team, coaches and everybody. And then as you go through that process, you kind of get an idea of where you're going to move to, you know, as a team, how you're going to go forward. And I think I was really looking forward to the conversations with Aaron to see how he fit into that. Uh, those never transpired. So, it, you know, there, there came a time where we kind of had to we had to make some you know decisions. So we went through his representatives to try to kind of talk to him where we were going with our team. And at that point, um, you know, they informed us they would like to, to be traded to the Jets. Was that you just said you, you did try and reach out to have those conversations. Oh, yeah, many times. Without even getting into some of the high school he said, he said of the Aaron Rodgers versus Brian Gutekind's part of this. What's interesting to me is... Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers each said at the end of the regular season that there was going to have to be more conversations to be had. That once you have the the postseason conversations, Brian Gutekunst said he was excited. Maybe he wasn't so excited. Aaron Rodgers never seemed particularly interested in coming back to Green Bay, but that's neither here nor there. He said on the record on Pat McAfee that there were going to have to be more conversations when he made a decision. And we assumed, and I think rightly, that that was about tone, that was about direction, that was about having an agreement on what the Packers wanted to do, what Aaron Rodgers wanted to do, the direction they each wanted to go, and did those directions, did those visions for the team align? 
Then, when we heard from Aaron Rodgers that he wanted to go to the Jets, what we didn't hear was, we had those conversations and I came to the conclusion that. What he said was, the Packers' tone changed. They decided that they wanted, after the darkness retreat, to trade him. Now, what's interesting about that is that basically aligns with what Brian Gutekunst is saying here. The Packers tried to reach out to Aaron Rodgers. He was unreachable because he's on a darkness retreat. And so the Packers decided we are going to do what we have to do because we can't talk to you. Now, we've gone into some of the details of this. Aaron Rodgers knew before the darkness retreat that the Packers were talking to the Jets, the team he wanted to go to. So if you want to believe what Aaron Rodgers is saying here, that is up to you. I don't because, um, well, I live in reality. Like it is, it is, it beggars belief that Aaron Rodgers thinks we are that stupid. It really does. And for him to go on Pat McAfee and gaslight us, I mean, gaslight us. Like, we don't see what's going on. This is not hard to understand. Aaron Rodgers wants this to look a certain way. It is not that way. And Brian Gutekunst at this point has said, you know what? Aaron Rodgers, not my problem anymore. I don't have to cover for this guy anymore. And it is interesting to me, just a few weeks ago, and I would say as recently as about two weeks ago, there was concern on Packers Twitter, in Packers media, in Packers fandom, even, even from people who were like Rogers agnostic in terms of like, do I want him to move on or not? People that were, that were whatever about it. Okay, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. We're going... I really wish the Packers were driving this decision, not Aaron Rodgers. And that's not everybody, of course, but there were plenty of people that felt that way. And it turns out that's exactly what happened. And we get these partial truths from Aaron Rodgers and he gets to sit on his high horse and act like it was the Packers that were treating him badly. When in reality, he went on TV and aired the grievances in exactly the kind of way that he would have absolutely lost his mind if Brian Gutekunst had done that before the trade request had come out. So here's what Brian Gutekunst is laying out as the timeline. The Packers tried to reach out to Rodgers. He ghosts. They decide, okay, he doesn't want to come back. We're moving forward with this trade. The Jets obviously want him. And we're going to reach out to his agent and try and figure this out. And the agent says, we'd like to go to the Jets. Well, terrific. Sounds good. Everyone gets what they want. And this fits with something I said on Twitter the other day that I, that I, I got a little grief from some fans about. There was a headline <laughs> about Jake Paul. Is it Jake Paul? The other Paul, I don't know, doesn't matter. One of those YouTube guys 
that he um, took ayahuasca with Aaron Rodgers and is considering a darkness retreat. And it was one of those things where people were like, well, you just don't like Rod and what he does in the off. No. The reason that headline is annoying is because that is a headline. It's a mad lib of a headline. I don't care about Jake Paul. I don't care about Rodgers doing ayahuasca. But guess what? Aaron Rodgers wants to talk about doing ayahuasca. And he wants to hang out with guys like Jake Paul doing ayahuasca. And guess what? I want off the ride. And I said, look, this is there's, this is the reason a lot of people are ready to move on because they are, they are done reading this stuff about their quarterback. They want a guy who is not going to make headlines for this kind of stupid stuff. And now we get to this point. And I don't know how, I mean, I guess I do know how. You're, if you if you are just someone who is a Rogers ride or die, and look, all due respect to you, if that's what you want to be, you fan however you want to fan. You're not hurting anybody by doing it that way. I am I am never going to tell someone that the way you are fanning is wrong, unless it is in fact actually hurting someone. If you're doing it in like a negative, hurtful way to other people, I, is it what I would do? No. Do I do I understand it to a point? Do I think it makes sense? No. No. But to anyone who doesn't understand why people are sick of this kind of stuff, this is another great example. To go on a show and and just you know, I don't I don't know what is a lie and what is a self-deception. I don't know what is bending of the truth. I don't know what is not half truth. I'm not, I'm not here to adjudicate that because I don't know. But I'll tell you um, who I believe. I believe the guy that hasn't been willfully deceitful over the last few years about his intentions, about his life in a lot of different ways. And you know, this is not even about the politics of something like the vaccine status. I don't, I don't care. I've said over and over on this show, I don't care. I care about the lying, the willful deception. I care about being dishonest. I don't like that. I'm sorry. I just have this, it is a flaw in me. And I, you know, I had someone on Packers Twitter, someone who I generally like. I don't know her that well, but I, I like her. I'm not even going to name them because I, I don't I don't want this to be about that. But being like, I don't understand how anyone could care about that off-field stuff. And I'm like, you, you could never understand that if you think someone is dishonest, if you think someone is willfully deceitful of you, that that doesn't affect the way that you think about them as a football player, the way that you worship them as an athlete that that you you fawn I mean we fans fawn over these players you we we worship at the altar of their greatness and this other piece doesn't matter how can it not matter well, we're not talking about you know OJ that's not the transgression here we're not talking about Kanye West being like openly anti-semitic like that's not what we're talking about here but you know, someone like Giannis, for example, he to this point has done everything possible right to be the most likable superstar in the sport 
easily the most likable superstar in Wisconsin sports. And I think one of the most likable superstars in all of sports. He seems like a genuinely good, gracious, humble, incredible person. Read Mirren Fader's book if you don't believe me. That makes it easier to root for someone like that. And so, again, I don't even like want to adjudicate here. This was not true. I believe this person versus that person. I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care. What I care about is not having to care. I would like to cover a quarterback where I don't have to think about that, where I don't have to care about that, where I don't have to see Jake Paul ayahuasca headlines, where I don't have to see headlines about, oh, I'm being treated disrespectfully and it turns out I'm the one not answering phone calls. I don't want to have to hear from the general manager that you're you're airing grievances in public that were supposed to be kept private or that you won't return a phone call when you're the one saying I'm being disrespected. I would like to cover a quarterback like that. So, so sue me, I guess. I don't like, I don't understand why this is controversial and I don't understand why people are like, I would never understand that feeling. That seems crazy to me. It seems crazy to me. And so again, do the facts here in particular, this is 60% true versus this is what, what? No. I'm, I'm going to be glad when the thing we get to talk about every day on this show is the quarterback's play on the field. And we can talk about some of the intangible stuff, the leadership, the, the, the respect that that the quarterback engenders and their their intangibles, their clutchness, all of that stuff that matters when it comes to the football player. I would like to be in a situation where that is the only thing we get to talk about. But let me put a bow on this conversation this way. Big Bob Tunyon was asked in his opening press conference to Chicago Bears media, the degree to which Aaron Rodgers' uncertainty, his murky future, played a role in his departure. And what he said was, whether directly or indirectly, a perfect encapsulation and indictment of the last few years with Aaron Rodgers, and that is that it was really par for the course, that nothing was really that different. I don't think he meant it as a drag, but guess what? It's a drag. When for multiple seasons now, you have outgoing free agents and incoming free agents that don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback. That is unstable as an organization. I would rather be in a position where you know your quarterback is what he is. And you just go, okay, they're, but they're not good enough or whatever it is. Or you're in, even, even... I'm going to get in trouble for this. Even if your quarterback is Kirk Cousins, you know what Kirk Cousins is. You know what he is every week. Every year, you get Kirk Cousins. And there's, look, there's plenty of baggage that come with Kirk Cousins, and I'm not saying he's perfect. But I know what Kirk Cousins is. And, and if Kirk Cousins were my quarterback, 
every week I'd talk about the failings of Kirk Cousins or the highlights of Kirk Cousins or the frustration of, of what is happening on the field with Kirk Cousins. Very rarely. Now he had his own COVID thing. We don't talk about that. But I, I know the deal. My free agents don't have to worry about that stuff. And I don't have to worry about him popping up with Jake Paul. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Now, plenty of you are going to say, but Peter, I want the greatness. I want all that stuff. Yes. But the Packers and, and me personally, I think have reached the point where it became clear that the juice is no longer worth the squeeze. And this is just another example of why that is. All right, more to come on today's show. Today's episode brought to you by friends at FanDuel. The tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. So uh, we talked about the tight ends yesterday. We did our little mock draft, a live mock draft. And I've, I've talked a lot about positional value and these things with um, historical norms. And Dave Hellman from Fox Sports wrote a really good piece about tight ends. And he went back and looked at, okay, who are the guys that have produced? Who are the guys that are still in their contracts? And he went back and, and he, he said, okay, let's find the guys that are regular starters. Let's just throw capability aside. Regular starters. The hit rate is best. 33 through 90. So we're talking day two. In rounds two through four, 27 starters of 57 selected have gone on to become regular starters. That's a 50% hit rate. Okay. It is not 50% in the first round. There are some notable hits, but there are some bigger misses. And this is something that you, you just have to build in here and bake in that there are always going to be some hits and you can always find the example, okay, that guy. But Pro Football Focus did a similar study. The curve on the tight end productivity is pretty flat overall. So you can find a starter. So this Pro Football Focus does do some qualitative stuff. 65th percentile starter. In the top three, so we were talking about premium draft capital. It never happens, but let's just, we're thinking about the curve here. You just want a quality starter. 55% chance. In the second round, that only flattens to 50%. And if you take a, a tight end that early, your chance at a stud, a 90th percentile performer is a shade under 28%. In the second round, it's 18%. So you're probably going to get a good player and in the third round, 43.5%. Even in the fifth round, you're talking about almost 36% chance of getting a quality starter, 65th percentile player. 
the Packers need a tight end. It is one of those places where they just have nothing. The cupboard is bare. It's Josiah DeGuar and Tyler Davis. And we talked about this yesterday about the, all of these lost targets and all this lost production. So where do you find those players? Well, Dalton Kincaid has probably not tested himself because he hasn't tested out of the first round or at least to the bottom of the first round. Michael Mayer, I find it hard to believe the Packers at 15 are going to take a player who is not a supreme athlete and Michael Mayer is not a supreme athlete. And while I think Darnell Washington and Luke Musgrave and Sam Laporta and, you know, there are other um, players in, in the day two range that could be borderline ones who did test in that sort of, you know, elite level player athlete. They don't make sense at 15. I'm not in, I'm not in on Darnell Washington at 15. There are these off the field concerns and all that stuff. I just don't see it. That leaves you with going, okay, day two is the place. This is where the draft is most robust. This is where historically you find these players. Okay, same thing. Let's do this with wide receivers. And we, we've we've done this for a couple years now because we've been talking about wide receivers, where you find them, what is the what is the expected hit rate. You can still find so. These top-level players, you have a better than 60% chance in the top three of getting a starter, a serviceable starter. Now, if you take a receiver in the top three, they better start in the first round. But it's still 53% in the second round. You could find really good receivers in the second round, and it's over 40% in the third round. You have a better than 50-50 chance of drafting a starter in the second round. This is, this is where the Packers have traditionally always found their value. So you can, you can take a first-round receiver. I don't think there's anything wrong with first-round receivers. There's nothing about the history that says don't do that. In fact, there have been plenty of receivers. I think the, the issue of drafting first-round receivers, for a little while there was a stigma about first-round receivers. I think that that stigma has worn off. And I think part of that is because there's just so many good ones now. But unless you can get that elite guy at 15, and I don't know if that elite guy is in this class. It seems like someone like Jackson Smith to Jigba is going to go before the Packers have a chance to pick. If he's there at 15, awesome. Take him. I, in, for me, I'm going to take him. But you probably on day two can find a quality Starter, and that's what you need. Christian Watson is your opportunity at a star. Corey Davis is probably going to be in this trade. You have Romeo Dobbs, who's a really nice complimentary piece. You need one more pass catcher at receiver, and you probably need one more at tight end. Can you find both those guys on day two? Yeah, you probably can. You probably can. And so here's, here's what I'm thinking. I said yesterday given all of the pieces here, the moving parts and the timing of it and the choke point of the, of the draft, that there was a chance we'd be sitting here on draft night waiting for this trade to happen. I wonder if we get to, we get to 12 and 
the Packers are going, our, our receiver or our tight end, our pass catcher of choice is still on the board. Is there something we can do here? And maybe they throw in a little sweetener to get 13 to make this deal happen. I wonder if the other side of this is true. Let's say Jackson Smith to Jigba goes off in the top 10 and the Packers are going, look, we honestly don't care about 13. We'll take the two seconds and we think that's where the meat of this draft is because for them, that is where the value at the positions that they want to go to are. Like if if we went back in time two months, maybe you go, okay, 13, 15, that's awesome. You get Dalton Kincaid, some of these other guys. And that's really where, where I am. Maybe you really like one of the offensive linemen, but the offensive line group didn't test the way that we thought they would. There's not that, that bevy of supreme athletes in the first round to really highly covet. And there isn't really a pass rusher in that spot to really highly covet. Maybe they love Nolan Smith. Maybe they love Lucas Van Ness. But on day two, there's a bunch of guys worth getting. The Will McDonald's of the world. So it could all end up being circumstantial. Where if there's a guy there that they want, they're going to keep pushing and maybe even throw in a sweetener for the Jets to get to 13. Maybe you insist, hey, We'll we'll back off this other part of the comp. Let's fl- let's flip picks. We want this guy, or the guys that you're highly targeting are gone, and so what you do instead is say, "Give us the seconds. We'll take the seconds. It's okay, because that's where we we're, that's where we think the value in this draft is, because when it comes to the position that I think the Packers are going to want to address that is where the value is all right we're going to finish up here uh in just a second but before we do the built march madness bracket is here we know you have a favorite bar or puff and now is your time to make it count go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorites you know i'll be voting for the coconut puff it's my favorite i have to get some more i'm out right now got back from vacation and opened my cupboards and they're bare and i'm devastated because i did not plan ahead so you can remedy that. Um, go vote for your favorite bar or puff and you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but a Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puff delivered monthly straight to your door. You have to try Built, the best protein bar ever. So go to March, BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL expert Kyle Crabb and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. The locked, Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One little nugget here that we didn't mention, Brian Gutekinds talked about um, potentially a lot more snaps in the slot for Keyshawn Nixon. Interesting. Here's what I'm wondering. I think the Russell Douglas to safety stuff is almost a done deal. Could they 
decide, okay, actually Keyshawn in the slot is the best thing. And what makes sense is Russell Douglas and Darnell Savage as your deep half safeties. And you give them an opportunity playing more of this squat coverage, more cover two, um, more cover six. And maybe that changes the way that you feel about, about Darnell Savage. I can see that being the thought process. I think Nixon is, is the most natural slot of this group that's not Jair Alexander. I think you still want to do that in some circumstances to have Jair Alexander be able to play there. I mean, why not give Keyshawn Nixon a chance to, to play some actual safety? You also have Rudy Ford, who can be your big nickel safety. They have some versatile pieces there. I think with a full offseason to integrate these guys, you give yourself a chance to be a little bit more multiple. And I think, you know, look, we saw this with Keyshawn Nixon as a returner. He's a dynamic player. He is really explosive, really well-liked in the Packers locker room. Give him a chance to earn a role. You know, makes the interception that seals the game against the Bears. Give him a chance to be more than he's been for this team. And it's already happened once. It could happen again. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, we got an interview or two coming this week. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And when we get a trade, whatever that is, we will be live on YouTube so you can stay Locked on Packers.